Welcome to the Global Hearted Podcast, where your heart for people around the world can deepen, and where you can be empowered to better reflect Jesus and His heart for all to know Him. I'm Jason Paulson, here with Anthony Taylor for today's discussion. Hey listeners, since this episode is going to be discussing a chapter in the Bible that you might discuss with some of your friends who do not regularly read the Bible, we're going to read the chapter before we start into the podcast so that you can be thinking about it as you listen to our discussion. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome, and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and for years. Let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters, and every living creature that moves, of every kind, with which the waters swam. and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of every kind of the earth. And it was so. And God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. 
Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with its seed, with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that everything he had made, indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I had I had a two questions about what some of the stuff that you said while we were talking um earlier you were talking about the the verbs to make and to create uh, and i was kind of thinking that if i were trying to explain that to make verb i might say to craft because that would you know seems to me to line up with what you were saying about that um but that you're right that is a translation like that's a translation word choice um so when we're reading the bible with our muslim friends how how do we point out some of these like translation word choice questions or should we point those out is that because i know if i'm reading the bible with some of my christian friends i might you know i might bring that out and say well you know here it's translated to make but maybe we should think of it like to craft um but is that something that's valuable or helpful to do with our muslim friends or would that really just throw them off as they were reading uh, they all i mean <clears throat> if they're immigrants of course they speak you know two three four languages <laughs> already and <clears throat> and they know because they're speak, speaking english that um when you're trying to translate something you have options. I mean, it's just, you know, this is the, it, it's like the Quran. The Quran was given in Arabic. Well, the, the Bible, the Old Testament was given primarily in Hebrew. And so we're dealing with it, the Hebrew language here. Um, that's the, 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 the real Bible. Everything else is just a, is, is just a tafsir. It's just a translation or a, you know, we're just trying to catch the meaning of this. And they understand that's the dynamics. And so I, I think it, if you want to point it out, it's because even with them trying to say something, if their their mother tongue is Arabic and they're trying to say it in English, they know there's a variety of ways you can you can translate it because one word can have multiple meanings. And to say make and craft, I mean, <clears throat> there's there's has to be a reason why the translators didn't choose craft. But to help elucidate the meaning, to, that's because that's actually a great word. I, 
I never even thought of the word craft, but it's it's an excellent, excellent word. Um, I'm not a translator, so I, but I, <clears throat> I can, you know, I mean, those guys spend, you know, <laughs> they spend their whole lives trying to figure out, you know, some of these things. Um, but from my vantage point, that's a great, that's a great option to say, oh, wow, this is craft in for us that does communicate the beauty of the involvement of God in the creative activity. And then my other, one of my other questions, you talked about, uh, with the Genesis 127, with the genre shift from prose to poetry and back to um, back to prose, and that genre shift, sig- like signifying special importance to those verses, or maybe not special importance, but just a way to specially grab the reader's attention. Um, would this idea of genre shift to be something that our Muslim friends might already be familiar with? Does the Quran do something like that? Or would that be something that, you know, we would want to, we'd have to explain as we're pointing, pointing that out, if that feels like something to point out? Um, the Quran is straight poetry. So uh, it doesn't have genre shift in it. But um, if, 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 if it, the uh, opportunity to point that out is there it's not overload of information yeah it's because it is a genre shift and that means to highlight you know pay attention to these verses here don't you know it it is to highlight the significance of those verses all of them are significant but this is particularly significant and we see the same thing happen in genesis chapter two and throughout the scripture when you have a genre shift um there's there's a reason for that but um you know if it if it's if it you know in each studies are organic they're kind of dynamic they they take a life of their own and so you just have to be sensitive to what's happening at, at that moment at that time whether this is something to bring out or not well anthony thank you for Uh, walking through Genesis 1 with us, diving deeper into this narrative, and just helping us to see more um, about how the structure, uh, the genre shift, the translation choices, everything in here um, really helps us understand more of God's character, more of uh, how God has created us, and hopefully can help us as we read through the Bible with uh, our Muslim friends who are unfamiliar with it, really help them to see who God is and draw them closer to his spirit. Okay, and we can go ahead now and uh, go on and do that second section about science, evolution, and creation. So let me start that. Well, Anthony, we've been talking about Genesis 1 um, and how we see God's character revealed through the creation narrative. Now, one of the things that many Americans uh, who are listening to this are probably wondering is, well, Anthony, you haven't said anything about uh, evolution, creation, uh, these things that are so prevalent in our culture, this debate that has 
been raging in the American church for 150 years. You've said almost nothing about it. How do we approach that with our Muslim friends? Because for us, that feels like a really big thing that we need to talk about. So Anthony, someone asking about evolution creation, uh, how would you address that? <clears throat> this is a bit of a complicated um, discussion because um, um, there's so many emotions wrapped around this conversation. Um, so depending on our Muslim friends, uh, you know, where they are in their own journeys and um, depending on our own views, you know, the topic of science and evolution may surface. I typically try to avoid it because I think, I think there's all this beauty that's in the, in the text that we don't want to miss, which typically gets over, overlooked because we focus right in on, you know, is it a young earth? Is it an old earth? Is this 24 hours, literal 24 hours? Is it, you know, is it, um, are they symbolic of an age? Or, you know, is it, um, you know, in Genesis 2, is that, was there a creation before and then destruction and then a second creation? I mean, there's so many different readings here. Um, I would say this, that Muslims are often very well educated. And, <clears throat> You know, like, uh, you know, many people in the U.S., if they're, if they're not necessarily Christian, um, they put evolution and creation together without much conflict. I mean, people just know, okay, in this space, this is, you know, this is what the Bible says. And then if we go to a science class, that, that's there. And <clears throat> so they just hold the two in either hand and without much conflict. And so the subject doesn't need to be controversial, but it does sometimes become that way because, you know, some of us want to, you know, other, we want others to conform to our view. And um, so I just suggest taking an attitude of flexibility in how we think and talk about it. And the reason I suggest that is because number one, you know, we want to focus, I would want to focus in as we've done on, discovering about God and who God is and who we are and what what's the point of this point of the passage. And I also suggested because the global church, if we just don't just think about the American church or because in the American church, we have different people saying different things. Um, and we definitely do in the global church. And so in the global church, there are those who regard the six day framework in a literal manner. And there are those who view it in a literary manner. Um, um, so, you know, and there are even more ways to interpret Genesis chapter one. Uh, many people would know this, but the Presbyterian Church of America, the PCA, they have a non-binding position paper on four views of Genesis chapter one that most Presbyteries, Presbyteries consider acceptable for their ministers to hold. There's the literal six-day framework, the day-age framework, the literary framework, and what they call an analogical day, uh, work Sabbath analogy, shaping the creative narrative. And so even the PCA <clears throat> creates space for these differing views in for their pastors. 
so since you know a church you know as as you know because pca we would consider orthodox and conservative um since something like the pca does this i think it's you know for those of us you know <clears throat> we're just the you know the <laughs> the average you know parishioner you know um and since the global church makes makes room for these different understandings we're wise to do the same even if it causes us some discomfort um you know, and so those who read the narrative in a literary manner, they say that the creation narrative doesn't contend with science and evolutionary processes. Um, you know, and you could go on. I think the the um, the podcast by the Bible Project they kind of take this position, and so it's it's fairly orthodox. And so, you know, they say there's no real conflict here. And so I would suggest that we just avoid that conversation uh, unless it comes up. And then just to point out, you know, there are those who see it in a literary manner and there are those who see it in a literal manner. And in the church, people, you know, take different positions. And then we could state our own position. You know, if, if I take a 24-day period, say I, the way I read the scripture and the way I think it's teaching is a 24-day period, and I believe in a young earth. There, that's totally fine, as, as long as we don't necessarily push it on our, our Muslim friends, because they may sit there and go, wow, that, that's weird. How do you, you know, connect it with science? Because, as I said, many, if not most, of our Muslim friends, they're going to be fairly well-educated. And they themselves hold, you know, they know God is the creator. And so they hold these views um, in both hands without any conflict. Um, and so it's, you know, I just suggest that since they do that, let's allow them to do that. And let's keep them focused on who God is and, you know, who we are in this relationship. And then because of who God is, how then are we supposed to live in this world? That to me is um, um, a beautiful way to go forward. So, you know, science has to do with the mechanics of the universe, how it operates. And we have to recognize that science doesn't address the philosophical dimension of who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? Why is there evil in the world? And these are the questions that concern, the, you know, that the Bible is concerned with. And so that's why I say there's no need for conflict. There's always going to be levels of mystery around issues of science and faith. And we can be blessed by both while we trust in God. You know, after all, you know, I, I am so thankful. You know, I lived overseas and I couldn't say this, but, you know, I, I have 24-7 electricity in my home. I, I can use a mobile phone. I drive cars. I cross bridges and I can go to the doctor for care. You know, science has made all this possible. And yet eternity is in each and every one of our hearts. And, he, and that is causing us to ask deeper questions about goodness, beauty, and meaning. And fortunately, the Bible addresses these questions and so much more, culminating in the life and the work of Jesus Christ, who is, who was, 
and always will be. So I think we can boldly and joyfully live in and live out the mystery of our faith, which is Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Well, Anthony, thanks for thanks for just walking through some of that thought process with us. I, as I was reading through uh, just the whole discussion about Genesis one, and then uh, the notes that you had here at the end about this discussion with creation, evolution, and science, uh, I was just thinking how the multiple views that Christians in America hold on creationism or evolution uh, can really drive wedges into community and into um, relationship for us. And they don't have to drive wedges into our study of the Bible with our Muslim friends if we're willing to um, just look at, like you said, the global church or um, larger church entities, the breadth of positions that they allow people to take and still be considered in, uh, in good standing with the church. But I was also thinking about how, uh, I mean, like you said, if we, or how I would say some of the things that you said is when we file all of the literary or symbolic uh, nature off of the text in Genesis 1 and just reduce it to pure description of the mechanical processes that God has used, we really take away a lot of the power or a lot of the um, beauty that is in that scripture that someone who has never read it before can see and experience. And so, like you said, I, I don't think it's wrong to say, I believe in, you know, six days of six 24 hour periods of creation, or I believe that each day was an age or I, I think that, you know, as popularly described, scientific evolution is how God created the world um, when we're in these discussions. But when we reduce Genesis just to that, Genesis 1, just to that argument, we miss out so much on what God is trying to, trying to teach us there. And uh, to use another bad analogy, um, if we want to see the forest, not the trees, it's okay to look and note that, hey, maybe this is an oak tree, or maybe this is a maple tree. But arguing over all the what specific, you know, uh, family of tree this is really misses the point that there's this beautiful forest here that God has created and made for us to uh, live and work and walk and understand and share with other people. So... I just really appreciate how you've, uh, how you're drawing that out here that um, we want to focus on God and his character and not on each little specific out of the text. Good well, talking to you, Jason. Yep. Thank you, Anthony. And uh, we will be uh, moving into some more discussion of Genesis 2 in the weeks to come. Awesome. 
thanks for joining us on the Global Hearted Podcast. If you have more questions about how you can find ways to follow Jesus around the globe, or if you have questions you would like to hear Anthony answer, email us at anthony.taylor at globalhearted.com. Or to hear more episodes, go to globalhearted.com. And now receive a good word. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age.